not all podcasters are created equal. This is the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Welcome to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. In this podcast, I cover common problems and injuries young athletes may face and ways to keep your kids healthy and as safe as possible while participating in sports. Leading experts in the field will join me to give you the best advice and what is the state of the art in thinking about issues young athletes may face. If you have a stake in the health of young athletes, whether as a parent or coach or even a young athlete yourself, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I bring you the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. The Emergency Action Plan. So what exactly is that? Why are they important to know about when your young athlete is participating for a team? How can you find out if your team has one? We'll answer those questions and more today on the podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Shane Miller. Dr. Miller completed medical school as well as his pediatric residency at Baylor College of Medicine. He then pursued his sports medicine fellowship at the University of Colorado in Denver at Colorado Children's Hospital. He currently practices pediatric sports medicine at Scottish Rite Hospital for Children in Dallas and serves as a team physician for local high schools and the Dallas Stars. Welcome to the podcast, Shane. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm excited to be here to talk about this topic that I think is so important with you. Absolutely. We're going to talk about emergency action plans or what we also call EAPs, and we'll refer to them frequently through the podcast as EAPs. Both Shane and I are very familiar with these plans, but I would guess the majority of parents and possibly even a good chunk of coaches that listen to our podcast aren't aware of what they are or any of their school or team has one. Shane, let's start off by talking about the basics of what exactly an emergency action plan intends to accomplish. Well, as the name implies, it's to prepare for emergencies. An emergency action plan is a comprehensive, detailed, and written plan to help prepare for medical, environmental, and security emergencies. It's typically developed and coordinated in conjunction with local EMS, people that are in charge of the venue, the leaders of the organization, uh, any medical providers that, and personnel who may be covering the event or responding. And the director or, or administrator for the organization. I think it's an important point that it's written down and, and it is something that is thought through. It's not just, you know, everybody meets up at a, a base for a baseball game or a midcourt and we, hey, let's decide what our emergency action plan and we'll stick to that. It's something that actually is thought about and practiced in advance. And we'll talk more about that later on in the podcast. But now that we have kind of the basics of what an EAP is intended to do, how can a coach or a parent find out actually if their organization has one in place? Well, the best way is to ask. You know, sometimes these are available publicly, but a lot of times they're internal documents initially, but they should be available at the actual venue for those who need to respond. I, I wouldn't hesitate if I were a parent or a coach working with an organization to ask, what is our emergency action plan? Do we have one? How do I respond? And especially as a coach of an organization, this is something that should be shared with the coaches and, and staff members involved in the organization so that they are prepared to respond in the event of an emergency. Let's take a scenario that an organization may be starting up, say a new club team as an example, but we could easily apply this scenario to any team or school that doesn't already have one in place and apply it to them as well. But this new club team, they want to be very thorough. They're committed first and foremost to the safety and health of athletes, our dream teams. If those existed, that that's their number one priority is the health and safety of the athlete. 
How should they go about starting to put one together and who should really be at the table, so to speak, when they're creating this? Your point and your question is valid. I, I do think that the organizations that have an EAP in place are showing us that they do prioritize and value the safety and health of the young athlete. In this ideal scenario with a club that's forming and wants to get together, then anybody who's interested in developing a program like this, if it's their first time going through it, then it is a little bit daunting of a task. And so reaching out to partner with somebody in the community who has some experience, you know, a lot of sports medicine physicians or athletic trainers have experience uh, developing and implementing these types of emergency action plans. It would be a great resource for somebody to partner with to help walk them through it. And there are also great resources available online. For example, the, the Corey Stringer Institute has templates that you can go through step by step and fill in the blanks, so to speak, and they have a templated EAP already that would really get you 90% of the way there with some fine tuning and some review by personnel that need to be involved to, to really help you get one without a lot of legwork on the front end. I think those are good points. And we'll certainly have links to the Corey Stringer Institute and their templates in our show notes that you guys can refer to and, and download at your leisure to get you started on these types of things. You know, say this, you know, this is a, a, a rural area that may not have access directly to an athletic trainer or even a sports medicine physician who's comfortable with this. Who else would be worthwhile people to invite to the table to talk about putting this together? As I mentioned earlier, this should be developed in conjunction with the local EMS. My background was as a firefighter and EMT when I was in college. So I have experience on the other side of this, as well as the side as a sports medicine doc. And when you are responding to an emergency where a organization and or school has an EAP in place, it's very clear. You pull up on scene, you're directed to where the emergency is, People are organized. We're able to provide effective emergency care in a much more timely manner and we probably get access. If you pull up and there's not this EAP in place, essentially it's chaos. And of course, the EMS personnel are trained to respond to any situation, and, but, but that is perhaps inhibiting the, the ultimate um, goal of, of providing emergency care in a timely fashion to, to the downed patient or athlete. So really partnering with the EMS would be a great opportunity to develop an EAP. That's a good point for locally to be able to do that too, because they, they are the ones that are responding to emergencies all the time and having their knowledge and background is, is certainly helpful. Plus already knowing in advance what their protocols are in place to respond to situations, I think is helpful. I mean, we run into that situation potentially um, in football as, as being sidelined physicians where we're there and we're covering things and then EMS may have to come for something. And they may have a totally different protocol than what we may do. And if we haven't already talked about that ahead of time or have that plan in place ahead of time, then you're right. It can be chaos, even if there are people there that are knowledgeable and organized as far as what they would normally do in that situation. So I think that's good to get your EMS people involved. But if we're talking about an EAP and we're putting this in place and we've got some people at the table to do it, what are some things that we need to think about to put in that EAP to help make it a good one? Well, I think that you want to think about who is going to be on the team in terms of if an emergency action plan is activated, what is the each role? Is that going to be leaders in the organization, the athletic trainer, a team physician, a coach, a parent? Is it a school nurse? And really depends on who's available and who may be on site. You also have to plan for who may or may not be there that day. 
Um, and if it's a school setting, for example, the athletic trainer may be covering football practice and somebody goes down in volleyball. How do you respond in that fashion? What are the training requirements and skill sets of the different people involved? So understanding the emergency team and if there are no medical personnel present who will take charge for that. You also want to understand what equipment is, is going to be available, where that equipment is located. For example, a defibrillator in the event of a cardiac arrest. And we've heard stories about uh, somebody going down and an AED being locked in the, the school nurse's office and it's after hours. Or maybe you're at a baseball field and the AED is locked in the concession stand, but it's practice. So nobody has keys to the concession stand and can't access the defibrillator. Is the battery charged? So you got to make sure somebody's going to be checking equipment and, and monitoring and making sure that everything is in working order. Maps. You want to think about each venue because everything is going to be unique. And each facility needs to have its own specific EAP in place. For example, if you have multiple soccer fields, we need to have an idea of, of the layout there. And where is equipment access located? Where are gates? Which gates are going to be locked or unlocked? If the fire department or EMS has to respond, how are they going to be able to get over to, say, the field on the far side without having to take their stretcher across three fields to get over there? Is there another gate for them to get access to? And so sometimes looking at Google Maps and taking a screenshot is, is very helpful to, to look at that and plan in advance. You want to think about communication and what is the number? Obviously, 911 is going to be the most common number that somebody would call, but what are other emergency numbers for police or, or other fire department or other emergency numbers? And you want to think about the roles of each person on that team if something were to happen. Who is going to get the equipment? Who is going to administer first aid? Who will call EMS? Who goes and gets the ambulance and directs them to the scene? One of the things that you mentioned football we have to think about is, for example, are we going to take equipment on or off? And, and if we are going to take that equipment off, who's going to take it off? And is it something we leave on for the for the scene and to be removed in the emergency department. I think one key component of an EAP is documentation. You want to make sure that you document the event, um, the actions that were taken and the response. You want to debrief afterwards and really try to learn from that. Fortunately, one of the, the aspects of an EAP, in addition to trying to promote safety and health, is, is to reduce the risk of liability. And, and to protect in the event of a, an emergency, we want to make sure we document that we followed our EAP and, and had one in place. I think all important points. We know one area that is crucial but has the potential to break down quickly in an emergency is communication. If people aren't ready for something or if it is truly something that is life-threatening, we all know that some people will panic and that makes things a challenge and then the communication may break down. So can you talk about how communication could be addressed through an EAP? Communication is key in everything that we do and even more so in emergency. This is one of the reasons why we really recommend that the EAP is written, rehearsed and practiced prior to an emergency because if you've trained in it, then you're much more likely to respond in a calm manner and, and follow a, a protocol. We would like these to be available at the venue so that somebody can access them. And if it's an outdoor venue, you can have it laminated and available um, with phone numbers and sort of a chain of command. And so, for example, if it's a life-threatening emergency, who's going to call the EMS? Who's going to call the parent? Who's going to respond to these things? And, and having a, a specific plan so that people know what their role is and who is in charge of communicating to help close those loops and break down any aspects that may fall through the cracks. 
And I think that's, you know, a good key point of having, you know, why we want to have it written down is that things can be chaos in an emergency. We can't ex- be expected all the time to remember something or have it memorized, whether it's a number or a name of a person or the way we do things. And so having that written down and accessible, I think is helpful because then that also helps facilitate communication for sure. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue our discussion on emergency action plans. Everyone knows what identity theft is, right? Well, maybe not. Learn more by listening at scammercast.com. Dr. Mark Halstead here. Do you like what you're hearing on the Healthy Young Athlete podcast? If you want to learn how your business, organization, or effort can benefit from my growing audience of engaged parents and dedicated coaches of young athletes, connect with us and let's have a conversation. You can reach out to us at healthyyoungathletepodcast.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it all out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Welcome back to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Today we are discussing emergency action plans with Dr. Shane Miller. Shane, another important part is being able to identify where someone who is in need of emergency care is going to need to go for further care. So how do we identify those places for the emergency action plan? This is where it really is helpful to partner with the local EMS. You know, I have found that they already have medical protocols based on injury type and severity that will direct them to the proper facility. For example, sometimes if a patient is having a cardiac arrest or a stroke, they may drive right past the nearest hospital and keep on driving to a dedicated center that can provide better definitive care for that particular emergency. And although that may be confusing for somebody who who has a family member that's being transported in an ambulance, the EMS already has that in place for a reason, because they think that that's best. Trauma is another area where this occurs, and different centers are identified as different levels of trauma centers. And so trauma level one being the highest, they have surgeons in place all the time to respond immediately to injuries. And you'll find these typically in the middle of a larger city where there's a lot of lot of trauma. And again, if we have a high level trauma that occurs on a field or at a venue, they may want to go to a trauma center rather than the nearest facility. But that's going to change based on availability at the time of the actual injury. And so I think that the EMS personnel and working with them, and again, planning before the actual emergency so that you understand, uh, rather than at the time of the emergency, having those discussions is really important. We can also partner with the actual facilities to see what they're comfortable treating. Another aspect of transport, I think, is not just where they're going to go, but when and how fast do we go? And so sometimes you'll see an ambulance going lights and sirens, and sometimes they may be going with a patient in the back with no lights and no sirens. And that's going to depend on how the severity of what they are treating 
But in the sports medicine world, you know, as as we treat different things, we also are going to respond differently. So, for example, if somebody is having a, a heart attack, then we're probably putting them in the ambulance and getting them to the hospital fairly quickly. But if somebody is having heat stroke as an athlete on the field, that may not be the best thing for them to do. In their interest, it may be better for us to keep them on scene for a little while, cool them down, and then put them in the ambulance and transport them to the hospital. So it's the timing issue as well as the location, but it's nice to have some of those things in your EAP better than trying to make that call at the time of the emergency. Yeah, scenario-specific kind of things are definitely helpful because obviously, as you mentioned, it is going to be different from person to person and condition to condition as far as what's best to treat and initially get stabilized, so to speak, on the scene and what stuff just really needs to go and get to a higher level of care off of the scene. When we talk about coaches and their role in an EAP, what, what should we think about with them? You know, I think coaches should be involved at all levels of the EAP. I do think that it's very important for a coach to be involved in the development and, and review of an emergency action plan before anything is implemented. It's often important to have somebody's perspective that's not a medical person when reviewing an EAP to make sure it's easily understood and that it covers aspects that somebody in the medical field may not think about from a coaching or other perspective. Coaches may also be the first and or only responder. A lot of times at practice, a coach may be expected to, in addition to their other many roles, be a medical first responder and and have to triage and determine if an EAP needs to be activated and if somebody needs to call 911. I do think that coaches should have some fundamental understanding of first aid and likely should have CPR and AED training and have that um, updated on a regular basis. Um, That's often a good time to review the EAP with the coaches is when they're doing some CPR training as well. But any type of basic first aid is an important role for a coach. That's a good point that you brought up things like CPR training, because when we talk about CPR we're talking that that person is going to have to get recertified and they're going to have to review their knowledge of that and practice those types of things. How often, once we put an EAP together, should we review that to make sure that that document is still accurate? I think an EAP should be reviewed at least every year and before the season begins to make sure that it's up to date and doesn't need to be revised. Things are changing so quickly in, in the sports medicine world. There's a lot of advances and a lot of research is coming out in in the areas of athlete health and safety, and particularly in some of these emergency situations that we're discussing. And you want to make sure that you're up to date. There are other things that may change specific to the venue that need to be updated. You want to make sure that your facilities haven't changed in terms of growth or or address or or phone numbers or other things that may be important to, to include in the EAP. You also want to make sure it's rehearsed. One of the things that we do with the teams that we work with, and whether it's at the high school level or at the professional level, and Mark, you've done a lot of this as well, is we practice this, right? We review it, but we rehearse it. We all get together. And for example, at the high school level, it includes the EMS, it includes the athletic director or coach, it includes the athletic trainers, the team doctors. And we go through it and we actually practice different components of the EAP so that when an emergency occurs, It's not the first time that we're doing it, and we're not working together as a team for the first time, but we never know who's going to be coming on scene from an EMS standpoint. So we want to get the EAP into their protocols and so that whoever is responding has that. And 
at the professional level, there may be different personnel. Certainly our resources and our personnel are going to be greater at the professional level than at the high school level and maybe even greater than at the youth sports level. But the EAP and the components of the EAP are not going to change. And the fact that it needs to be reviewed and rehearsed is still important, despite the fact that you may have different resources and personnel involved in the EAP. Absolutely important as far as the part about reviewing this and going through it. I think that can't be stressed enough. It's one helpful thing to have it written down. But then I go by the Boy Scout philosophy. We always want to be prepared. And so if you've put it down, but then you haven't gone through it or have everybody go through what their specific roles may be, that's the part of the time before the actual emergency happens to sort out that thing that, well, that doesn't sound like that's going to work the best or or maybe you need to be in this role instead. And that's really a, a helpful time to tease all that stuff out rather than trying to go through it in the point of chaos when when the, it really is an emergency and we have to be managing things to a T to really help account for the best outcome. So we wrap things up. Anything else you feel is important for our parents and coaches listening in about talk about emergency action plans? Yeah, I think the most important take-home message for me would be is to make sure you have one. And as we covered, this is likely a new concept to many who may be listening So you want to make sure that your organization that you're involved with or perhaps your child is participating with has an EAP in place. And if not, really advocating that one is implemented, developed, and and available to protect the health and safety of the young athletes that are participating. I'd like to thank my guest today, Dr. Shane Miller, for his expertise and talking us through emergency action plans. We'll be sure to have some of those resources that I talked about and some examples of EAPs in our show notes, so please check that out. You can also listen to my other episodes through our podcast library at healthyyoungathletepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at HYAPod and check us out on Facebook. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review at your favorite podcast streaming site. We'd love to get your feedback. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this has been the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. Thank you for joining us today for the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast. We hope you'll join us for future episodes. Please review our podcast and spread the word about us. You can find our full episode library at healthyyoungathletepodcast.com. This is Dr. Mark Halstead, and you've been listening to the Healthy Young Athlete Podcast.